0: We're gonna start with a, uh, a challenge. I'm gonna play you a video in a, in a moment and uh, I, want, I want everyone to pay really close attention. Kids, especially you, all the, all the kids here, just look at me for a sec. In a moment, I'm gonna play a video up here. I want you to look really closely at, uh, at how many times the people dressed in white pass the ball, okay? You need to count every, every time the people in white pass the ball, does that make sense? So you watch the video, just keep track of how many passes and count and then at the end I'll ask you how many passes, alright? Let's have a look. Alright, right, we'll just hit next. Alright, just no one say anything so if, uh, if you counted less than 10 passes, hands up. Okay, alright. Uh, between 10 and 13? Hands up. Okay, between 13 and 16? Hands up. Okay. The more than 16? Yes. Uh, the correct answer was 15 you can you can self-assess yourself but um the uh, the next question i have is uh hands up did anyone notice anything unusual hands up nice and tall don't say anything okay hands up who didn't notice something unusual okay you're all you're all afraid to put your hands up (laughs) i saw you i know who you are no so there, there was a gorilla that walked through the middle of the scene and a lot of people don't notice it, they, the, these, a couple of guys did some research, about 50% of people don't actually notice the Gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> relevant detail, but, so that, a lot of you don't believe me, you can go watch the video for yourself, it's called the Gorilla Test, you can Google it, but he walks in the middle, he's dressed in black, and everyone's too busy looking at the ball to actually see the Gorilla. So, actually we'll just quickly play it again, just so we see the, the intro of him, just go back twice. And all of you that missed it will be going, how how did... All right, here he comes on the right. There's our friend. All right, so what this is, is this is a selective attention test. So it tests where people's attention goes to. Uh, And it's a a great illustration um, because... Sometimes I think we miss the, um, you're all just going, I can't believe I missed that. It it works, I tried it on uh, my family, so I was dumbfounded. Uh, Sometimes we miss the significance of Christmas because we're blinded by other less significant things. You know, sometimes kind of it's Christmas, it's really exciting, uh, and there's kind of a lot going on, we're spending a lot of money. I think uh, Australians on average spend $1,000 in the month of December just on Christmas just on gifts and, and travel and just, just, on, just on this little event. So it's very exciting. There's a lot of money. Kinda, you're going, oh, only $1,000, please. Uh, there's a lot of money kind of uh, leaving the, the uh, household. and There's a lot of activity, and a lot of food and meals. And sometimes I think we miss the significance of Christmas because of things that aren't wrong, but they're less significant. You know, presents and gifts, they're not uh, wrong, you know, family, celebrating family isn't wrong. Enjoying food certainly isn't wrong. Uh, you know, putting up a house full of thousands of lights isn't wrong, though it's pretty close. Uh, they're not, it's not wrong. But it, it pales in comparison to the, to the significance of Jesus coming, right? Like it, it fades. It's like it's background noise. Just going, could you just quieten down for a bit? Because we've got something really big going on here. Uh, it was like me... Um, I, uh, my parents, when I was a child, they, gave me a, um, they wrapped up a helmet for me. Uh, and I, I unwrapped it and I was kind of like, that's cool. Like, I mean, it, that's, it's, I guess it's safe. Like, it's really nice. And they're going, you're totally missing it. Like, keep looking, man. Keep looking. And I walked around to the front door and there was a bike. <laughs> and I just missed the significance of what the gift was because I was just focusing on the details. Just going, I mean, it's good that you want me to protect my head. But, anyways, I totally missed it. And, and we miss things. And uh, sometimes, you know, we take things just at face value. We take things just as they are without looking broadly enough. And uh, we think that that's all there really is. Uh, You can open your Bibles to Luke uh, 24. Uh, We're going to read the story of uh, two of uh, Jesus' disciples uh, on the road to Emmaus. Luke 24, verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. So they're having a chat just after the crucifixion of Jesus. So they're talking about all of these events that are happening, and they're traveling between towns. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself... Drew near and went with them. So you just kind of like imagine a car just merging lanes, just kind of two lanes coming to one. He just kind of drew near to them and went with them. He just pulls up alongside them. And uh and their eyes, sorry, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. I love the details that they give us. Like, seriously, they stood still looking sad. It's like you were walking. Jesus asked them a question. They're like, we just have to stop because the, the sadness is overcoming. So I'm just going to stand still and look sad. And, uh, and one of them says, oh, sorry. Uh, then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does, not know the, who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. So basically he's just going, you know, what's news? They're going, are you kidding? Like, are you the only guy around here that hasn't heard about what's happened the last couple of days? And he's going, oh, tell me about it. What's going on? So they retell him his own story, right? So this is Jesus and they're telling to Jesus, have you heard about Jesus? It's like, hey, Matt, do you know what's going on with Matt at the moment? It's like, this is a really bizarre sort of experience that they're having here, and they retell him all the story of the of the, uh, the high priest coming against him and crucifying him, and then uh, and then he said to them, verse 25, "O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory?" He's going, "You clowns, don't you see it? Like, don't you see?" Uh, that Christ was made sorry was was predestined to suffer these things and enter into his glory and beginning with Moses and all the prophets he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself you know we're, we're a lot like these two guys aren't we you know like we zone we zone so much in on the micro story and on the details of something that we actually we miss a great story that the bible is telling we're so often distracted by details by, by minute things that have little significance that we miss uh, macro things we, we miss significant things so take note of what jesus is saying here verse 27 beginning with moses and all the prophets he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying to us, the Bible is telling the story of Jesus. The Old Testament, particularly. He's referring to the Old Testament. He explained to them the scriptures concerning himself. The Old Testament is giving testament to Jesus. It's it's anticipative. It's expectant. It's giving us pictures of, of the coming Savior. Now, I want to ask you, is this how you read the Old Testament? Like, for you, is the Old Testament, is it just simply moral law or is it inspiring stories you know like kids like get a load of this one like a dude swung a rock and it hit a dude in the head and it killed him it's like ever throwing a rock that hard you think you got that, that that much muscles in your arms is it is are they simply inspiring stories or is it simply a history lesson jesus is saying the old testament is about me now that's huge like you know if you've read Parts of the Old Testament, you're just going, oh, <laughs> you sure? Because like, that's, a, that's a big call because there's some pretty, uh, some pretty funky stuff in there. Here, here's a couple of ways that I think we see glimpses of Jesus in the Old Testament. We see it through prophecies, through prophets prophesying of a coming Savior, a Messiah, a baby, a Savior. We see it through uh, Christophanies, where Christ actually appears to people in the Old Testament. We see it through titles, the names of God and names of Jesus. We see it through types, through like service and events. So what we're going to do this morning for a couple of minutes is we're going to join in on the anticipation of the Old Testament and walk through the micro stories in order to see the macro story more clearly. You know, if the Old Testament is telling the story of Jesus, if it's anticipating Jesus, then we should be able to see that when we read the Old Testament. And that's what I want us to do. And we'll be doing that for a couple of weeks is reading the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus. And today we're in the, um, today we're in the, the Pentateuch. The first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Kings. I'm kidding. Yeah. Genesis, <laughs> See, you're awake. Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So we're going to go through a bunch of stories. So we're just going to kind of fast track through a lot of uh, the Torah, and, and look at how they actually tell us about Jesus. Genesis is about Jesus. Right from the start of the Bible, if you remember this, in Genesis 3, where, where God uh, responds to Adam and Eve sinning against Him, right from the start of the Bible, we see the promise of Christ. In Genesis 3.15, God says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is called the first uh, euangelion. So the first declaration uh, of good news. This is Listen to that word there, between your offspring and her offspring. That, the word offspring there means seed. So between your uh, offspring and, and her seed. And he, he's referring to Jesus. So right at the start of creation, right like at the beginning, God's already talking about Jesus. And he's saying, one is coming that's going to crush you, Satan. Yes, you're going to injure him. You know, you're going to uh, bruise his heel. So yes, you will injure him, but ultimately he's going to crush you. Um, crush your, uh, sorry, bruise your head. Crush your head. Uh, you kind of you get this in Ephesians, don't you? We've been going through Ephesians and you hear a similar thing uh, where in Ephesians 1, uh, Ephesians 1 it talks about even before... Uh, the, the creation, sorry, before the foundation of the world, we're chosen. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So Jesus is already on the menu in Genesis. They're already talking about him in Genesis. Now, one of the, the most common things that we see in the Old Testament is a type. And our type is a representative figure. Someone who's, it's kind of like, that's what he's going to be like. You see this person, you see their example, and they're a representation of someone else. That's what he's going to be like. We see types of Jesus all throughout the Pentateuch. Now, I love this. I love these pictures that we see of Jesus. Jesus, Adam. Jesus is the greater Adam who passed his test in the garden and imputed to us righteousness. You see the picture there? Adam failed his test in the garden and imputed to us sin. We all sin uh, because of Adam's uh, mistake. And Jesus passed his test in the garden. Not my will, but yours be done. And he imputed to us righteousness to overcome the sin that was imputed to us by Adam. Jesus is the greater Abel. Listen to Abel. Although he was innocent, he was slain and whose blood cries out for our acquittal. So Abel was, was slaughtered by his brother Cain, the first uh, murder. And uh, he was innocent. Abel was innocent. He just offered a uh, sacrifice that was pleasing to God. And, and Cain got a bit jealous and he got a bit knocked by it. So he, he killed him. And, and uh, God said, your brother's blood is crying out to me. And Jesus was the better, better Abel, who though he was innocent, he was slain and his blood cries out for us, for our acquittal, not for his own uh, innocence, but for us and for our acquittal. Noah, Jesus is the greater Noah, who on, on, on the cross, Jesus on the cross, become, or sorry, becomes for us a hiding place while God's wrath rains down on mankind. Jesus on the cross becomes for us a hiding place in the same way that the ark was a hiding place for Noah, while God rained down judgment on the earth. Jesus is the greater Abraham. If you you remember the very start of Genesis 12 and God's call to Abram uh, who left his home and family, Jesus is the greater Abraham who left his home and family, heaven, and and his family uh, within the Trinity and went out in obedience, following God's call to him, doing the Father's will. Jesus and, and Isaac remember Isaac the story of Isaac God asked Abraham he called to Abraham and he said I want you to sacrifice your son to me as a, as a burnt offering so they Abraham and Isaac uh, go on a, on a three day hike to a specific place and they prepare wood uh, and, and fire and, and a, a, a knife and uh, they kind of hike up uh, to the top of this hill and uh, and Isaac's going, hey dad, where's the, um, where's the sacrifice? Just curious, there's two of us. We've got all the other ingredients, but you're missing something. And Abraham's going, God will provide for us a sacrifice. And, and Genesis 22, 6 says this, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. So his son carried the wood that he was going to die on up the hill to the place where the sacrifice was to be made. Abraham built the altar and laid the wood and bound his son on it to be killed. And God stopped them. But Jesus was the greater Isaac. He carried his own wood on his back and laid down his life to be sacrificed in obedience to his father. You see that, that, isn't that precious? Isn't that beautiful? Like, doesn't that change the way you read the story of Abraham and Isaac? Just go. this is a representation of what Jesus is doing. Jesus is the greater Jacob who wrestled with God in Gethsemane and though wounded, walked away from his grave blessed. Jesus is the greater Joseph who suffered great injustice, enormous injustice when he carried on his shoulders the sin of the entire world, having lived a perfect life, tempted but without sin. Exodus, Leviticus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, likewise, are about Jesus. Let me give you a few different examples within these books. Jesus is the greater Moses, who stands as the perfect mediator between God and man, working for our redemption. Moses was a very flawed mediator. Very flawed. Jesus is the perfect mediator. Mediator, Jesus is the greater priest who entered the holy place and sacrificed himself once and for all, tearing the curtain so that man could be re- reconciled to God. Jesus is the greater manna. You remember the manna that the, uh, the Israelites uh, ate, that God fed them with every day? He fed them. Jesus is the greater manna who nourishes our soul's daily and eternally i am the bread of life right like you think you think that that's good well they didn't actually think it was that good they, they complained about it but you know god provided food for them every day you think that's good jesus provides food for our hearts jesus is the greater leader who not only led his people out of physical sorry who not only leads his people out of physical slavery and bondage, but spiritual slavery that grips their entire being. He leads them out of that. He redeems them from that. Jesus gives us the greater law as the perfect human who passed every test. And even being perfect in his perfectness was still crushed for our failure. Fulfilling the law, meaning for us, it isn't so much about the law as it is about the one who fulfilled the law. Uh, if you remember the story in, uh, in Numbers of the, the bronze serpent, uh, when there were snakes among the camps of, of the Israelites and uh, just killing people, <laughs> just biting them and killing them. And, uh, and, and God said, if, if you get bitten by a snake, look upon uh, the, the uh, bronze serpent. They made a bronze serpent. God said, look upon that and you'll be saved. And Jesus is the greater bronze serpent, right? when you look upon Jesus for who he is, the son of God, crushed and resurrected, saves people for eternity. Not just from a snake bite, he saves them from eternal judgment. Jesus is the great I am. The same God who revealed himself to Moses. Numbers 24, 17 says this, I see him... But not now, I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break all the sons of Sheth. The Savior is coming. I trust that um, that you feel, or that you might feel, the weight and the longing of the Old Testament for Jesus. You know, in the coming weeks, as you prepare for the celebration of Christmas, that you might feel the weight of that. We're in we're in Advent at the moment, and, and I really hope that you've got something, some sort of resource or some plan in place to quiet yourself down a little bit, because you need that. You know, Advent is a time of quietness and reflection and thankfulness and of peace. Uh, that you know that there will be a growing expectation in your heart for Christmas. Not, not for, that your feasting will be feasting of joy, not, not escape. You know, that your feasting isn't an escape from life's trouble. You know, that you kind of, quick, let's eat and drink before the kids overwhelm us again or before I remember the trouble of family conflict, that your feasting wouldn't be escaping from things, but it would be a joyful running towards Jesus. An expectation of Jesus coming, of celebrating Jesus coming. John the Baptist, uh, who preceded Jesus' ministry by uh, baptizing and calling people to repent, uh, while he was busy baptizing people, uh, for all we know, you know this if, if you remember John the Baptist, uh, uh, he baptized people in the River Jordan, and for all we know when he says, uh, this next statement, there's people getting baptized around him. There could be a few people waiting in the water to get baptized. Uh, he sees Jesus coming down uh, to the water uh, and, and he cries out to everyone in, uh, in John 1, 29. It says this, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Do you remember that? You Remember Jesus coming down to get baptized by him and and he baptizes him and the heavens open and a dove descends and uh, God declares over Jesus, this is my son. But listen to what John's saying. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Notice what he's he's referencing here. He's referencing the Passover, isn't he? God, uh, for his last plague on Egypt, you know, there, there were 10 plagues that he, um, he brought to Egypt uh, in order to uh, persuade Pharaoh to let his people go. For his last plague in Egypt, he asked the Israelites to take a lamb without blemish, take a spotless lamb and slaughter it and spread the blood on their doorposts. And that night feast on the lamb join together with your family and feast on the lamb and when uh, the angel of the lord or what the angel of death passes over uh, over egypt you will be covered by the blood the blood on your doorpost will cover you and the angel of death will pass over now john the baptist knows this he knows about the history of israel and and he specifically refers to jesus as the lamb look Look, people, we have a spotless lamb, perfect in every way, without blemish, who will be slaughtered so that everyone who trusts in him and makes their home in him will be cleansed from unrighteousness. They will be washed clean and they will be covered from death. So when death comes knocking, they are redeemed by the blood of God. Of the Lamb. Uh, do you want to bend? Do you want to come up, and uh, we'll sing in a moment. But Jesus, let me tell you this: Jesus is the Greater Passover Lamb, whose blood both covers us and redeems us back from death. D- don't miss this, right? Like, don't miss the significance of this. Jesus is the greatest gift of all this Christmas. Like, parents, I hope your kids know that. I hope your kids know that there is something way more exciting than Sunday morning, uh, not Sunday morning, oh it is a Sunday actually, opening up presents. I hope your kids know that there is a much more precious experience this Christmas than presents, than toys that after seven days find their way to the toy box and are lost. Don't miss him, don't miss Jesus underneath the wrapping and the late night shopping and the money spending and the wild kids and the family conflict and the new gifts jesus is the god man who humbled himself to become a baby that he might grow up with us with humanity and ultimately shed his blood for us he is the lamb who covers us see that picture from the exodus that's not just a cool story The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world.